We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is Browns Steelers Week. The Steelers might lead the all-time series 76-59-1, but in 2020, they have not beaten the Browns. And the Browns are going to look to keep that streak going, uh, a statement win that they could make this upcoming Sunday. We're really excited to break all that down, talk about the strengths, the weaknesses, what we're excited about, what we're concerned about. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one and join us for Garage Beers. All right, and welcome everybody in to this, what episode is this, 34? The 34th episode of the Garage Beers podcast with you as always, your host, Michael Keefe. You can find me online at Garage Beers Mike on both Instagram and Twitter. And obviously you can find the show online at The Garage Beers on both Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us at The Garage Beers podcast on Facebook. With me as always, uh, my co-host from Nashville, Tennessee, hanging out down there in the in the dirty south. It is Joey Whalen at Garage Beers Joe on Twitter. What's going on, Joe? Are we are we just sheep? Are we are we sheep? <laughs> we might be. Because it kind of feels like it. I don't know. I don't know what you're like, talking like, about. Like I'm I'm thinking about like Prime Day and all these like <laughs> these car commercials. He's like you're in summer exclusive sales event, the December to remember, all this bullshit. And I, I'm just sick of it. I stop selling me stuff. I don't want to buy stuff. I don't have money. Like, just let me I like to buy my stuff. life. Uh, sometimes, but like you know, I just, I hate being force fed. Like I, I just like, I've bought so many things on Amazon the past few days. And it's just like, I don't think I would have bought that without this stupid prime day thing. And, uh, you know, but with that being said, uh, please, uh, follow the garage Fears podcast and our uh, <laughs> yeah, fall yeah. to remember <laughs> event, uh, like, and subscribe, uh, rate us. Um, you don't want to, we have this. t-shirts buy those which yeah. Yeah. Philosophical <laughs> discussions with Joey. Yeah. We, hey, listen, we're close to t-shirts. So when we come out with those, buy those too. <laughs> but like, we're not trying to sell you anything. No, why would we ever do that? I don't know. I like Prime Day. I bought some stuff on Prime Day. Yeah. I got some I ring. I got one a... thing, but that was it. I got ant bait. We have ants. We have an ant, ant problem. Bait. Prime Day ant bait. Yeah. 
I was like, yeah. I don't want to go out. We need it. I got this email because I'm subscribed to everything. I never unsubscribe from anything. So my <laughs> inbox looks like I get like 5,000 notifications a day. <laughs> like, I'm too scared to go through it and just like start unsubscribing from things. So it's just Jesus. a mess. So I'm just like not dealing with it. But yeah, and, and then I saw that it was Prime Day. I'm like, you know what I need? Ant bait. Boom. Dig it. Prime. Yeah. Prime ass ant bait. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> And you might recognize a little bit of a new voice. Uh, our buddy Chad, unable to be with us on the podcast here this week, but he will be back. Uh, so filling in for Chad on the podcast is a just a, a special friend show. He has with Garage Beers before on our Instagram when we did an Instagram live after the Browns-Bengals game a few weeks back. And now making his Garage Beers podcast debut, filling in as a special guest host. Again, you can find him. I think some places on social media, he, he tweets once every three months at Harry C underscore hoppy. His name is Harry hoppy. What's going on, Harry? Hey, Mike, Joey. Good having you. Good to see you guys. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for having <laughs> us, Harry. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he just comes in and takes over. Hey, good having yeah. you. <laughs> good. Nice having you on. Um, <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I use my, ins- I use my Twitter for work. So thanks for shouting mm-hmm. that out. Um, well, I never had a Twitter before I started working, uh, where I work now, but you know, I work in education. So all these teachers are on the Twitters. So I had to learn how to do the tweets, but mostly on Instagram. That That's where all my, my media comes from is mainly Instagram. He's a, he's a, he's a grammar. He's a grammar. I'm more of a Twitter guy myself. I think Joey's more of an Instagram guy. Himself. I am, but I, I'm, I'm into the not creating, but just consuming the TikTok. Oh. Uh, you're a TikTok guy. I don't absolutely know how to use it. I don't. Get oh, it. you just scroll. You just scroll. All you have to Does do that age us that bad? I mean, I'm on the tail end of 29, about to be 30. So is that just like it's, a uh, couple years before me? I just it's beyond me. I don't understand it's, it. It's Vine. It's you know you remember Vine. like Vine. I was a Vine. Vine was man. funny. Vine yeah, was it's it's essentially that. Um, Can I tell you a funny TikTok story? but it's like an ultimate put my foot in my mouth story. <laughs> yeah. So there's this guy on TikTok that does these videos of like two songs that shouldn't go together, but then he mashes them up and they actually they like go together. And they're always like completely different genres. It'll be like super pop music and like heavy metal and he'll mash them up and they go together. It's great. But he has another segment of just like really, really dark humor. And I'm going to present what an asshole I am sometimes in this story. So I got a couple buddies from work. We always text like real inappropriate jokes, just stupid shit back and forth. So I'm looking at these guys' dark humor segments. And they're funny, but they are like disturbing funny. And he tells a joke, and I'm going to tell it here. And again, no offense out there, but I'm going to say what the joke was. And then I'm going to tell why I stuck my foot in my mouth. So randomly i'm like oh i gotta send one of these jokes to the guys so the one i pick is what's the difference between me and cancer and the punchline is my dad didn't beat cancer (laughs) and i was like i'm gonna send that i'm gonna send that to my boys again if you don't find that funny that is not my joke but i'm gonna i'm like i'm sending that to the boys totally not thinking about it my buddy's dad died of cancer and (laughs) My other buddy immediately calls me and he's like, hey, uh, did you mean to send that to him? And mm. I was like, oh, no. So I immediately am texting. I'm like, 
don't open that. Don't open that. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Don't open it. And what a class dude my boy Craig is. Uh, a class dude, he goes, he goes, listen, when you've been through something like that, he goes, that's m- my siblings and I make jokes to like cope. And so he's like, I thought it was funny. No big deal. I was like, oh my God. I thought I was ending a friendship right there. I was like, so you got to be careful on TikTok kids because sometimes you might send something. The moral of the story there. Sometimes you might just send something. (laughs) That you're like, wow, that's dark and disturbing, but I'm going to send it anyways. And you just shouldn't. You just should. Oh my gosh. Go on Reddit. <laughs> Am I the asshole? Write that whole story out. <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> I don't know that that's a thing, but, uh, Oh, it's a thing. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess it's going to get voted. Yes. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry, it's really good to have you on. Uh, so me, Harry and Joe, uh, again, missing Chad this week, but he will be back. Uh, so before we get into talking about the fact that it is mother flipping Steelers week, and and for the first time in forever, that actually matters. <laughs> Before we get into that, we're going to get into our garage beers of the week. So uh, we always let our special guests start off our garage beers of the week. So Harry, you get to start hmm. off our garage beers of the week. Tell us what you're drinking. Tell us how it is. Give us a little rating. Whatever you want to do. I feel very special right now. Thank you for that. You're so. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm drinking right now, it's a uh, Noda by Noda Brewing. It's a gorgeous and it's like a gourd spelled like that. It's like a pumpkin beer. Oh. You know, I'm not big on pumpkin beers, but this one in particular is really nice because it's not overwhelming. It's only 6.4%. And, you know, it's just, it's super drinkable and not too pumpkin y. So I'm a big fan of it. All right. Well, what was the brewery? Noda, N O D A. Noda. Noda Brewing. Where is that? Do you know where that is? It's in Charlotte. It's in Charlotte. Yeah. So, so local kind of beer. Awesome. Noda little pumpkin. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. 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 All right. Joe, over in Nashville. You were excited about your beers tonight. You know what? I was, because I've already really had excited. one. Hold on. You're really excited about yours, so I'm gonna let you like wrap it up. And I'll go next. All right. <laughs> because you got the special beer. I, of course, with it being Steelers week, I am drinking Cleveland beer. Like, we are drinking Cleveland beer here on Steelers week. So, I went so to the only guy Ed. living in Cleveland with access well, to Cleveland beer. Listen, I'm not judging <laughs> you guys. Why don't you send me Cleveland beer? I'm stuck yeah. here. Listen, sure. Send me postage. Uh, <laughs> I love Masthead Brewery. So, I know I've had a couple Mastheads before. I've not had this one. It is a fresh hop double IPA. It's called Wet Work. And it is, it's a big boy. It's, it's 8% and it's really, really good. It's kind of a, uh, it's more of a, like a West Coast IPA, which Masthead got real into the Northeast New England IPAs, which I love, but this is a West Coast IPA and it's, 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 Chad would hate it. It's piney. It is delicious though. So shout out Masthead right here in Cleveland on Brown Steelers week uh, for the wet work double IPA. And Joe, now we'll send it to you in Nashville. All right. What's your beer about? I'm excited because the past two episodes, I have just had super low expectations because, again, I was reaching out uh, in the back of the fridge for my beers. Uh, <laughs> but I did go to uh, the grocery store today, and I picked up uh, a Nashville brewery, Blackstone Brewing Company, uh, their Atom Bomb IPA. Pretty cool bottle right there. Uh 
pretty similar to what you described in your beard. It's very piney, 7.2%. Uh, real good, like, punchy-in-the-mouth hoppy beer, which those are my favorite. So uh, you look a little um, not satisfied with that response, Michael. No, I like it. No, what I'm thinking in my head, and I finally it, it finally caught me, it's Adam Bomb, but it's ADA. It's like the, a guy's name. Yeah. Like yeah, Adam. A-D-A-M Bomb. That was the name not- of one of my favorite pro wrestlers when I was a little kid. Adam Bomb. Oh, maybe it's a... Uh, and he was terrible. He was awful. Well, you liked him. You're a Browns fan him. after all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I was I was an Adam Bomb fan because he wore cool contacts that uh, had like the uh, like Hazard logo in his oh, eyeball. That's cool. That's oh, that's cool. sweet. I don't know. Adam that's Bomb. cool. Yeah. Right, so what I was like the brewery those. again? Uh, Blackstone Brewing Company. In so we got Blackstone Brewing Company. We got Noda in Charlotte. And we've got Masthead here in Cleveland. Those are our garage beers of the week. Uh, remember to send us your favorite garage beers. Give us some suggestions. Uh, and if you give us a good suggestion and we pick it for the podcast, we will shout you out. And who knows? Shirts are going to start showing up soon. Uh, and you're going to want those because I've seen them and they look sweet. So cheers to you guys, Harry and Joe. Cheers to you, the listener. And now it's time for us to get the and one Cleveland Browns going up against the four and oh Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh at all biggest game of the week. Uh, again, another huge test for the, how you feeling this week going into that game? Um, I feel excited. <laughs> like I feel real excited. I, I think that, um, I mean, look, when you have somebody at the home, like Kevin Stefanski, um, you know, just like I, I watched all like the press conferences throughout the week and like, you just like feel like confident, like, like I trust him <laughs> probably too much this early in the season, but it's like, you know, when, when Freddie would be like, oh yeah, we got to get better. We got to do better that we have to do this better. And then like, we'd lose like 10 straight games. You're like, okay, well maybe like, you don't know how to make it better, but I feel like, each week there's something in the Browns game that gets like fine tuned. And there's something that we have a strength that just comes out of nowhere um, or just something we do better. And there's like a continual improvement in this team. Uh, and I'm really excited because I uh, hate the Steelers. I think they suck. I think their fan base is equivalent to the New York Yankees. Oh. Uh, they're bandwagon fans. They uh. keep talking about the past and their six Super Bowls. No one cares. Uh. Um, and I'm a little bitter about it. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about something for a minute? Can we talk about something? You just brought something up. Like they talk about their six Super Bowls, right? Ooh, yeah. But then, but then Steelers fans always give Browns fans shit when Brown fans are like, "Yeah, but we've won ten championships." Oh, that doesn't count. Why does that not count? Right, that's what they say because they don't understand what a championship is. Right, right. Only because you change the name of it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you won a Super Bowl in like whatever, 1970 or something like that. That one counts, but the bronze ones don't. That happened like, I don't know, five years before that, six years before that. No. They love them, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, correct me if I'm wrong, he's not even a Hall of Famer, is he? Yes, he is. Is he? You are wrong. Okay. Well, he's bald, so (laughs) correct him. (laughs) Screw that guy. Turkey Jones <laughs> dumped him on his head one year uh, when they when he played the Browns and that was sweet. So 
Uh, yeah, no, Terry Bradshaw is a Hall of Famer. But, but yeah, I don't know. Like, the, all the championships count. If your team won championships, they count. Yeah. So don't give me that shit about, oh, well, we've won six, but you guys can't go back and talk about yours. Yes, we can. Because we're alive. I don't know, Harry, how are you feeling this week? You pumped? It's an exciting week. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm not really sad on Mondays right now. Like last year did me in bad because I would go out, those expectations, I I fed into it. I was like, we got OBJ. We got this new young-ish offensive coordinator who's going to be amazing. He made Baker so good his rookie year. We got all these pieces. We have the talent on paper. Then we go out there and just lay an egg every, every year. Like, I even went back before this year started and rewatched that game where we smoked Baltimore. And my God, it was a mess. Like we had no business winning that game. It was sloppy. There was no cohesion to it. Like nothing about that game plan made any sense. And then you get a guy like Stefanski and sure we got smoked week one, but you go in the week two, three, four, he's making mid game adjustments. It looks mm-hmm. like we're disciplined. We haven't had too many penalties killing us. And we come up with big plays and, and just finish games out. It, it's been really refreshing to see, honestly. And I cannot wait for this week. It's going to be a tough game, obviously. But, you know, I think we have a really good shot at, at upsetting the Steelers. You yeah. brought up a good point, Harry. It's amazing. It's amazing what a coach that has a just a flippant decent knack for coaching right <laughs> it's amazing what that looks like it has been so long since we've seen anything like that and all of a sudden well i think it's the last four weeks or no three weeks three weeks in a row now that the browns have run a four minute drill to end the first half that resulted in points and those points all came with like 30 sec. I think the, the longest time they left on the clock was like 32 seconds. They're scoring with like 30 seconds, eight seconds, and seven seconds uh, at the end of the first half. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how precisely and perfectly they have run those drives to end the half. Huge reasons why they are where they are. And you know what? I, I feel like, and it's going to be like the burden that hangs over our head until we face the Ravens again. But everyone is like, oh, my God, they got smoked by the Ravens week one. And not to make excuses, but you're talking about a team that has a completely new system that they are learning, no preseason, uh, a shortened camp before the start of the season, and you play one of the best, if not the best teams, well, not the best team right now, but one of the best teams in all of football. Um, I feel like, that's okay that we got smoked. I mean, I mean, it'd be cool not to have gotten smoked. It would have been great not to, but I just, I can't, uh, and maybe it's the four ones talking, but I can't really like get hung up on that one loss. Cause it's but just, it's you, the outlier. It takes you to the difference though. If, if from this season to previous seasons in previous seasons, sure. The Browns would beat a team like the Ravens. They would beat a team like, you know, a team that was better than them. Like the, the years that they like on an off chance, like beat the, like they've done that almost. They have one or two. <laughs> there were a couple of years where they didn't have any of those wins, but uh, almost every year they would have a couple of the one or two of those wins where it was like, how the hell did the Browns do that? <laughs> Here's the difference. 
They didn't look great week one, but they've looked better every week. They look better. It's like things are clicking and every week, even defensively, where again, they're still giving up a lot of yards. The other team is eating up a lot of ground against the defense, but every week they are getting better at turning the ball over. They are getting better at being at the right place. It's, it's like the system. You can't expect the system to just be there and work week one. And every week since week one, it's like that system is coming more and more into place and they're getting more and more comfortable with it. And that has got me, that probably is, of everything going on this year, that's probably what I'm most excited about. And also the wins aren't like, how do we win that game? It's like, we methodically beat the Bengals. We, who is the week three opponent? Washington football team. Oh, whatever. All right. We, <laughs> we beat Washington football team. We smoked the Cowboys and won the game from coaching because obviously you're playing conservative and you're going to let them score a couple uh, points, but you're not going to let them come back into the game. Right. Almost did, but held them off. And then we just dismantled the Colts, I thought. Yeah, it was, it was one play. I mean, really, that, that one play at the beginning of the, uh, the second half where they returned that touchdown, that's what made that game not a 21-28 point game. When they returned that touchdown, that's what made that relatively close. But you're right, Joe. Like, look at our margin of victory. We're beating – that nine-point victory, I think, was our closest victory. We're beating everybody by, multi, by double digits. Well, the, uh, the Bengals was 35-30. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that because we gave up a boatload of points in that game. Mm-hmm. But we were figuring it out. That was the second game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they played. They did play the close game against the Bengals because they gave up a ton of points. But it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it feels like a totally different thing. It feels like a team that's actually coming together. It's not one-off victories. It's not random chances to win. Uh, and, uh, and every test that keeps getting put in front of them outside of week one, every test that keeps getting put in front of them, they keep passing. And they keep passing everywhere. Everywhere. They have holes, right? There's things this team needs to address. There's, team, there's things this team needs to get better at. But in general, it's like the – guys, you know what it is? It's like the first time that you can watch the Browns and it, it looks like they're playing the same sport as the other team that's out on the field with them. I don't believe it. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe it. Um, but there are like – Definitely some still improvement points. I think the cornerback position has been pretty uh, lucky that we've been able to like kind of like hang in there. Um, but the news this week of Greedy going to the IR, he's lost for at least three weeks. Terrence Mitchell has been playing really well. Denzel Ward's been playing pretty decent. Um, that's a spot that worries about. me. I know who you're going to talk about. Let's not. I know who you guys are going to say we did. Well, Kevin Johnson's coming back. He's getting up in the game shape. So when we have a little depth there, it'll be good. And then hopefully Carl Joseph comes back in uh, as a safety because we need that. Because the other safety that we have, Jesus, Andrew Sandejo. Let's talk about him. I think he looks a little lost. I want you guys to get out what you need to get out. I want you to air your grievances. It's like a festivist party. Air your grievances because I I think I have a pretty unpopular opinion. 
I, I, I know we're going to go with that, but here, here's my issue with Sendejo over the first five weeks. So it's, especially in that Colts game, you saw two of the, their fir- two first touchdowns that they had, the Colts, directly were because of Andrew Sendejo. He it, got caught in no man's land on one of the passes from Rivers and then cut back into the middle while who I think is T.Y. Hilton went left and then he just got smoked. And then near the end zone, it, it was like they were in, in the red zone. And he, again, blown coverage. And I get that he's getting not that much help from the cornerbacks, but dude, like you got to be a little bit better. Like you're not a good player to begin with, at least be in position. Like, come on. One of the, uh, one of the highlights from the Cowboys game was a bullet that Dak threw um, to, I think it was Amari Cooper or CD. Uh, and like you would see like Sandejo coming, like he was like jumping in front of the ball, but he wasn't. If you look at like the longer replay, his head was like turned back, and it literally looks like he's just like falling, like kind of towards the play. But like head's not on the ball, head's not on the player. Like he, it just doesn't look like. I know he does know where he is, but like it just doesn't look like he's with it. Or like, Can I say one thing about that play in particular? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He almost took Denzel's Ward head, his head clean off on that play. <laughs> he almost killed him. Like Denzel Ward is already injury prone and our own player almost killed our number one cornerback. That'd have been it. You'd have to get rid of him for that. Like, jeez, yeah. come on. All right. So I got an unpopular opinion on Sendejo because he hasn't been good. I'm not going to sit here and say he's been good. He has not been good. Frankly, I think the reason he has been the biggest reason I would say he has not been good is because he is missing a ton of tackles. He's missing. He has been in position to make a lot of big tackles that he has missed. And that is awful. That's awful. You've got to make your tackles in the coverage. uh, I think two things, I think they're called safeties for a reason. So like there's been a few times this year where other teams have completed big passes down the field and Sendejo has been the one to like make the tackle and like all of Twitter will explode and be like, Oh, Sendejo. Part of the job of the safety is when there's a blown coverage by somebody else to make sure it's called a safety to make sure that when there's a blown coverage somewhere else, you at least put a stop to that play. So there have been a couple of times that play you were talking about, Joe or Harry on the, uh, the separation routes uh, that they gained a big, a big chunk yardage off of. Uh, that was a blown coverage by somebody else. And Sandejo had to run back and make up for it. So there are, there are a lot of times that just because he's the one that's in the area to make the tackle, people flip out on him. Uh, He's done okay with that. Now, the missed tackles, he's had like three dropped easy interceptions, like easy ones that he has not converted. Uh, and then sometimes getting beat deep when he shouldn't. Uh, yeah, that's all on him. He is not, I'm not sitting here saying he hasn't been, he's, he hasn't been bad. He has been bad. But like, <laughs> I feel like every time there's a big play, it's on him and people go crazy. And I'm like, no. Like eh, there's, there's blown. Our, 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 our linebackers have been rough in coverage. 
They've been rough in coverage. I think Denzel Ward and, and, uh, and Terrence Mitchell have played great. I think they played great. Uh, but there have been times where slot receivers have not been covered properly, uh, and, and it always gets thrown on Sandejo. So unpopular opinion, he has not been good, but I don't think he's been as bad as everybody says he is, that he just gets the blame for everything. You know, it's like it's like if Del Pitt was making was playing like Sandejo is, it might be like, okay, like he's a rookie. But he's learning. I think we were kind of hoping that Sandejo would be kind of like a safety blanket, literally, no pun intended, but there it is. <laughs> um and I think it's just like not what we were expecting out of him. Um but uh on the other side, one of the areas that I was not super stoked about that I'm pleasantly surprised with is our linebacker core you're excited about that i think they've been doing you're fine. gonna have to sell this joe you're gonna have to sell i it. i don't have much to sell i just like was expecting like nothing like literally like them to throw out like the ball boy out there or something <laughs> um you know taki taki hasn't really played well um but uh i think malcolm smith has been decent i think jacob yeah. phillips has been a nice surprise uh mac wilson he came back last week he hasn't Cowboys, done much I think. since he's been back. He hasn't done much, but I don't think he's been necessarily a problem. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the strongest point of our defense, but I was expecting it to be like much worse than what we're getting right now. Yeah, I don't Here's know. a fun I, fact for you. Oh, do it. So of our we have six interceptions this year. Of our six, how many have come from linebackers? Three. Three. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. And we're doing pretty good against the run, which is probably great. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So we just don't have, I don't think Mac is a hundred percent yet. Cause he's kind of a ball hawk. He's way better in coverage than he is in the run. Um, but yeah, they, they've been good, Joe. I agree with you there. Mm -hmm. I think our front line is what makes our defense. Obviously oh, uh, without yeah. miles Garrett, I think we just get gashed on defense every single game. He's such yeah. a game breaker. Every single, almost every interception is because of his pressure he put on the quarterback. And for as good as the Colts offensive line was, I mean, during the first half, it's like he was lining up in almost every position, like literally a snap and then he lined up in a different position. And it's like, as an offense, how do you game plan for that? <laughs> Like you look up and like, oh, I'm like he was not here last player the play before that I played before, but now I have to try to block him from the quarterback. Like that's not that's not a recipe for success. So we're gonna or get to the, the tail of the tape in a minute, but but there's also been something kind of cool this year. And Harry, you and I talked about it uh, last year. Um, remember last year they got hammered with that schedule early on. Like their schedule was a gauntlet to start the year mm -hmm. last year, and while I don't know how much it would have mattered because <laughs> Ready Kitchens was just a just a absolute train off the rails, just plowing through nursing homes and shit, <laughs> was terrible. But uh, so I don't know that it would have really mattered, but they had to run this gauntlet of just like every team they played for the first like five or six weeks last year was like a playoff team from the year before. And I think it... I think that affected Baker a lot to not get off to a halfway decent start. Uh, and I think it affected the team this year. Listen, having the Bengals up front is kind of nice. 
having the Washington football team up front is kind of nice. You've still had the Ravens and, you know, the Cowboys are, are going to finish poorly, but when we played them, their offense was crazy. And the Colts are a very good team. Having wins over good teams, but then a couple of those games where it's like, oh, we should win those games up front this year. We didn't have that last year. So to just build the team's confidence a little bit as they're getting used to a new system, I think it's enormous to know that what they've played, they played five games. So they got what? 11 left. If they went, what, if they went six and five, basically if they played 500 football for the rest of the season, they're going to finish with 10 wins. (laughs) That's That's awesome. awesome. That's really good. Yeah. That is this awesome. is very new territory for us. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what are you talking about? <laughs> we're, we're not one in five. I don't understand. Hey, buddy. I've never hey, had buddy. to do that math before. Hey, buddy, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I love about this new coach is when you hear him in the press conferences, in previous coaches like Hugh and Freddie, every single press conference after embarrassing loss, they wouldn't say anything except, you know, we're going to take a look at the tape. Stefanski knows exactly what happened in that game and he can relate it and talk about it in a non-stupid way, which is just really reassuring. Yeah. He's got very good. Um, and this is, I feel maybe a lot of coaches do this, but I feel like this is a very underrated, like talent of a coach is like when they're, you know, grilling him on some things in the press conference, he'll like break down a play exactly what happened, who was where and what position like three days later. Or like even like right after the game, um, and just to have that type of awareness on your team, and uh, I think that's a very underrated perk of uh, Stefanski. Yeah. So let's break down the tail of the tape for this week, boys, because again, uh, we've never heard these phrases that I'm about to utter, especially not over the last six or seven months. We are in uncharted territory. These are unprecedented times. times unprecedented times we don't know what's coming next because the cleveland browns and the pittsburgh steelers are facing off in a meaningful game that really is going to set the tone for this season so here's the tale of the tape 137th all-time meeting between the browns and the steelers it is the oldest and most played rivalry in the afc the Steelers lead the all-time series 76-59 and 1 and are 34-6 and 1 since the turn of the century. Think about that. Before the it's Browns gross. came back, before the Browns came back, the the tail of the tape, the Browns led the rivalry 54, I'm sorry, 53-43 before they came back in 99. Since they've been back, all Steelers 34-6 and 1. And since 1970, the Steelers are 43 and 6 in Pittsburgh against the Browns. So hard place to play uh, going into Pittsburgh this week. Again, no fans, but I don't know that that matters so much. You're still going into Pittsburgh to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think they have, well, they have some fans, not they a lot have of some fans. fans. Yeah. Some fans. So, so here we go. We've got, uh, listen, these Steelers are playing good football. Ben Roethlisberger is playing good football he's playing smart but he's also making big throws he's not he isn't just sitting back and 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 taking what's given to him he's making big time throws uh their playmakers are making plays they are having a hard time running the ball 
between James Conner and Benny Snell, uh, they're not running the ball real well. Uh, but again, James Conner's a, a dual threat out of that backfield that can catch the ball as well. Um, and then you've got Juju Smith-Schuster. You've got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, th- or four touchdowns last week. You Yikes. still got Vance McDonald. Uh, who did they sign? Eric Ebron, isn't he on Eric that team? Ebron, Ebron, yeah. Ebron. Uh, so it's a good offense. And then obviously defensively, you have still got really – you got Bud Dupree. You got – TJ Watt, you've got really good players on that defense. Uh, this is going to be – it's not going to be an easy matchup for the Browns as the Steelers 4-0 on the year. Uh, they're going to po- – will be the biggest test of the year outside of that Ravens game week one. Yeah, I think uh, – and I, I mentioned this a little Monday on how I was so – on our episode Monday, how I was so happy that uh, Claypool had his breakout game last week. <laughs> Um, I was really, really excited for that. But kind of like looking back on that game this week uh, versus the Eagles, I'm kind of glad the Eagles played the way they did versus the Steelers. Like, I don't know if the Steelers were underprepared, but the Eagles gashed their defense. Like, that game should not have been as close as it was. I think they put up like 29 or 30-something points against the Steelers. Do you think Um, Chase Claypool got like a talking to in the locker room after the game? Like, hey, hey. Breakout games only against the Browns. We only do breakout games against the Browns. What the fuck were you doing out there? Unless they're trying to throw out throw off our game plan for this week, and we're going to focus on Chase Claypool, and we'll just get gashed by Juju or something. But oh goodness, I thought that was an interesting because obviously you know they're four zero now, uh, five another four now because they four missed now. that game with the Titans. Yep. Um, so they might be a little more well rested, but uh, you know with a team that starts like that, it's kind of tough to find what holes that they have this early in the season for them. And I, I think there's probably some takeaways from the Eagles game that the Browns can use and uh, their game plan for next Sunday that can hopefully uh, help them out offensively. So I think this might be an unpopular opinion, but this is just what I'm seeing based on what I've seen the Steelers do this year. I think they're frauds. What? They haven't played anybody this year so far they haven't played anybody who have they played that have been good who have they played with a winning record nobody nobody Nobody. they haven't played a good team yet we just came off a victory against the colts defense that were what in the power rankings like a top 14 top 10 for sure number one they were the number one defense yeah now we're going into the steelers who i'm looking at it they have the number one defense and you know, you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger being, he's making big throws, sure, but I think he's still missing guys. He's overthrowing stuff. Um, he's still not quite there yet. I mean, they have the 26th passing offense right now. I mean, we have the 24th, but we're run focused, right? We're number one in running. And I, I just feel like this game, we have, and they've shown us, the Browns have shown us throughout these past five weeks that we have a good squad. I think we're going to come into Pittsburgh and surprise a lot of people. Listen, man, I'll tell you what. uh, It's going to get a little old all season because every next game is going to be the next test for this Browns team. But that's, that's where you put yourself when you have done, when you have had two flipping decades of shit of just absolute garbage 
two decades of the worst football that you can imagine, uh, then yeah, when you finally have a good team, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pass every test. This one is a huge test. I don't know. Listen, if the Browns lose this game, it isn't the end of the world. And again, we'll get in, into predictions and what we think is going to happen. If they don't win this game, it's not the end of the world, especially, I think, if they keep it close. If this is a good game that, let's say, it goes down to the wire and the Steelers kick a field goal to win it, not the end of the world. Those are two big-time teams facing off, and it comes down to the wire. I just want the Browns to go out there in Pittsburgh. What I want, sincerely, obviously, I want them to win. I would love for them to win like a hundred to nothing because it's Pittsburgh. Ugh. But I want the Browns to go in there and just in a big game in the division, make that statement that, Hey, we're here. Like, this is us. We're here. Mm-hmm. Everything you've seen to this point, not a fraud. This is different. Now we are putting our foot down and the Browns are back in the AFC North. And I think they got a real chance to do it. I think, you know, these teams that they have played, they have played some pretty good football teams and they have looked good. And the, and again, this just goes back to what I was saying before. They have looked better, guys, every week. Every week they have looked better. They have made plays. Last week, I think last week against the Colts was one of the most impressive things that I've seen them do because they had to change up their game plan. The Colts we're just going to hyper-focus on that run. And they were not going to let the Browns, even though the Browns wound up with like 140 yards rushing or something like that, (laughs) they were not going to let the Browns run the ball all over them. And so what did the Browns do? They passed the ball all over them. Baker Mayfield was incredible in the first half. And I know everybody's talking about his second half, but you got to remember that that they they were up and they were moving the ball. And Baker made one bad throw. Baker got hit on another throw that wound up being an interception. But, like, the, the, the thing that I'm looking for, I don't know if you guys have certain things you're looking for, but the thing that I'm looking for in this game, I want the Browns to play four quarters. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think this is going to be the game where they can because, again, you're winning 41-14 to 14 against the Cowboys. I'm sorry for the people out there on Twitter that are like, Oh, don't go into prevent defense. When you're winning 41 to 14, you go into prevent defense. It is what it is. It just is what it is. And no you know big place. At the end of the day, what matters? You won. When? You won. You won by double digits. Yeah. Against the Colts. At, at that one point, you were up, uh, what, 27 to 10 or whatever it was. 27 to 7. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, but yeah, like you're going to kind of take your foot off the pedal a little bit. Uh, I, I think this week you're not going to be able to do that. Unless something crazy happens and the Browns just come out and smoke them, I, which I don't think is going to happen. You're not going to be able to take your foot off the pedal. And it'll, I think it'll be kind of fun to watch the Browns have to go four quarters and just battle it out all the way through. I think um, one thing I'd like to see, and I don't know if this is the game. It, it, it probably is the most likely game that this will happen so far this season. Um, but the Browns have been winning um, when they're in the lead. If that makes sense. Like, I feel like they really need a game or two to learn how to win coming from behind. Um, Cause we haven't really seen that 
this year. We definitely didn't see it the past 20 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was I was gonna say last year, but I'm like, well, I could go back a year, year. Okay, so we have so literally thirty years. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, I actually did go to the uh, biggest comeback. Uh, oh, in the NFL Tennessee history. Game. Yeah, the biggest comeback in NFL history. Wasn't that Brian uh, Hoyer? It was Brian Hoyer. Yeah, Man, Brian Hoyer. Respect. Um, uh, yeah, that was in Nashville. That was, that was a fun game to go to, and a lot of pissed off Titans fans. Uh, Which is even but more I, fun. I would really like to see, um, not that I want to get in the situation where we have to come from behind, but that's really going to teach us uh, some good technique going forward and put put us in good situations where like you can learn and build off that um, for more meaningful games down the line. All right, Harry. So like, if we were like, let's say we're doing this broadcast and we're before the game and we're like, all right, Harry, what are your keys to success? If what, what's your key to this game, what do you feel like the biggest, most important thing for the Browns is in this game against the Steelers? There's two things that come to mind All right. before this game. Get, I mean, get greedy, obviously get greedy about it. Get greedy. Just write your own rules. I'm a special <laughs> guest. All right. I give you the floor. So I think <laughs> the main thing is going to be turnovers. I know that's cliche. Everybody says the turnover margin, but I really do think so. If we can pick off the ball, uh, and put ourselves in good field position. We've shown that when we get turnovers, we score points. So that's going to be huge for us. But I think the bigger thing is going to be establishing that run game too. If we can establish that run game early and let our offensive line, you know, open some holes for us and get some first downs and eat some time off that clock, that's going to be huge for us. So, I mean, that, those are my two keys to success. I'm looking at the numbers here on the AFC North. Do you know what team has the most points in the AFC North? The points Bengals. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who's number one? It's the Cleveland Browns. We have 156 points for. Then the Ravens at 149. Pittsburgh's at 118. And then the Bengals at 102. Like, we have the offense to make this game interesting and score a lot of points. So mm-hmm. it's just going to be way, this run that the Browns run. It's insane. Can you believe that they've 30 scored 30 points, points every, every game since that Ravens game? Yeah. They've scored crazy. over 30 points in four straight weeks. You know, who hasn't I don't know. Scored, maybe uh, if you're a fan, maybe if you're a fan of like a normal football team, you're like, Oh, okay, whatever. That's not that impressive. Hi, we're in Cleveland. What? I am so used to six to three games here. I am so used to five, six to three, nine to six, 12. I don't even know how you get 12, 12 to eight. I don't know. That's those are the games that we're used to here. We have scored 30 points four weeks in a row. It's like that. This is, this is it guys. This is the heyday. This is like field of dreams for the Browns. If you build it, they will come. Well, they're here and they're scoring points. And I don't know. I'm emotional. It's affecting me at work. <laughs> it's affecting my home life. I I'm don't know happy. what to do, and it's amazing. Now watch him, watch him go out there and tie. <laughs> no, shut the fuck up. Shut up. <laughs> no. Get off the podcast. Get that Get out of here. Podcast. Go out there and tie. All right, Joe, how are you feeling? What, what, what's your key? What's your key to my success? My key? My key? Or I guess you can um, take as many keys as you want, wow. according to Harry. 
Yeah. Can I borrow one of your keys, Harry? No. Here. Um, my key is going to be protecting Baker Mayfield. Um, I think, uh, I, oh, obviously he's had that rib, rib injury that he's been dealing with. X-rays are negative, um, but he's still obviously sore. He's been limited in practice up until we recorded today, which is Wednesday. Um, so I think protecting him is going to be the most important thing when he's feeling healthy and good. Um, I think he's going to be able to tear apart this defense when called upon. Obviously we need to be run first. Uh, and the Steelers defense has been pretty susceptible to the run. So, um, I think if we protect Baker, give him a chance, continue to give him a chance to get the ball out when he needs to, um, there's no stopping this team. I mean, I, I don't care what our defense does. We're going to get strip sacks. We're going to get interceptions. But Baker is going to be the one that's going to keep us in this game and keep points going up on the scoreboard. And that's what we need. Oh, I think I think Joe just dropped his beer. Did you just drop your beer? Dropping the hammer down. <laughs> you know, I did save half of it, though. Yeah, well, good save on half the beer. Some other breaking news. We talked about some breaking news on the last podcast. Some more breaking news. Um, college football all of a sudden getting hit hard by the COVID. Really? The Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. COVID city. Nick, Nick Saban. Saban. <clears throat> Today, yeah, Nick Saban, I saw. COVID. Uh, I said this before the season, guys. I said this before the season. I Like, I'm glad. I want to watch college football. I want to watch football in general. But, like, if you think college kids are going to be responsible and be like, sorry, I'm trying to play a football season and I don't want to get COVID, maybe 50% of them are going to do that. The other 50 aren't. And you know what's comes. crazy is you have like you see like the Titans how much of a microscope that the Titans have been the past couple of weeks because of their COVID outbreak and they're being investigated. College football teams are not professional athletes, not even right. close. They're not semi-professional right. athletes. They are students that play a sport. Nothing more. Right. Nothing more than students that play a sport, and that's a very unpopular opinion. But honestly, like that is it. That's what they are. Um, they're not held to higher standards. Uh, they, uh, are integrated with the student body. They go to parties. They are not, uh, taking the pandemic seriously. And if you really look, I know there's a lot more teens, but if you look at like some of these schools that like LSU, like when, uh, coach O came, I was like, yeah, like, I think pretty much our entire team has the virus right now. That's pretty alarming. Like that's pretty (laughs) bad. And like, it's so, um, uh, reckless, by the uh, NCAA and by these universities. Cause like, we don't know long-term effects of this virus. So you could be potentially putting in, uh, putting athletes in a very, uh, very uh, uh, terrible situation that could affect them long-term that you don't even know about right now, just so you can make some football money. Like it's just, it's all bullshit to me, honestly. I, I am so uh, not supportive of college football right now. I think it's just a complete, um, arrogant and reckless uh, season that they're trying well, to put on. This is what we talked about before before the season, though. And, and listen, I know why people are clamoring for college football. Everybody loves college football. I love college football. But think about this. The Florida Gators just got just slammed with COVID. It just got announced that a bunch of players in the program have COVID. 
They just played Texas A&M. In Texas A&M, where presumably those players pretty much had COVID, and we just found out about it. And now here's Texas A&M, and we know what I've said about the South in the past. Texas A&M does not regulate them into the stadium. So there were like 100,000 people in the stadium. It was packed. Yeah. They, they sold out the stadium for the game. So now here comes Florida with COVID. And now you've got 100,000 people in the stadium. And you've got the opposing team. And, like, what do you think is going to happen? They need that money, man. It's stupid. Yeah. If you watch Building the Browns, I'm sure you guys have. Oh, yeah. The protocols that we have in place to keep our players and staff healthy and safe are substantial. And even more than the Hard Knocks teams, Mm -hmm. like the Chargers and the Rams, what the Browns have done as far as being precautious about the virus is like insane. Yeah. And their protocols are fantastic. You think a college team has the wherewithal to put that in place? No. Why are they playing? Why are they in college? Like, they need to just go home and ride this bad boy out. And it's it's just wrong to expect, you know, they're not adolescent, but it's wrong to expect these young adults to, like, have this high standard of, um, okay, you're going to go to college, and there's all this temptation of fun and all this temptation of community um, but if you want to play football, you can't do any of it. And we don't, I mean, we don't know what they're enforcing for these college athletes necessarily, but like chances are they're probably not enforcing normal life. Like they're still going to classes. You're still going to dorm rooms filled with hundreds and thousands of other people. Like it's just, it's just reckless like that. There's no way that this ends well for college football. I'm sorry. No, it's already here. It goes here. It go- Listen, that's the point. That's the point we made before the season. NFL players are pro athletes. They, so that's their decision. That's their decision. You want to go out there and play? You're, you are a professional. It's your you job. You're getting, paid, you're getting paid to do a job. You have the opportunity Correct. to make money to do this job. But these guys, these college kids, they have the opportunity. They could say no, but all these kids think they have a future in this. If you're playing D1 football, you think you have a future. So you think you have a future. You're not going to give up your chance. You're not going to give up your chance. But This is what I was talking about before the season. One time, because again, we've seen it. Most people that are going to catch this thing are going to be fine. Most, we don't know the long-term effects. We don't know the long-term effects. So Joe, you're right on that. Most people that are going to catch this though, and the immediate level are going to be okay. But one time, it's going to be one of these people that isn't going to be okay. And was it worth it? Nope. No. So, yeah, Nick Saban, crazy. Nick Saban, or it's going to be one of these coaches. <sighs> and it's, it's so frustrating because the Big Ten almost got it right. The Pac-12 almost got it right. And then yeah. they folded to pressure. And it's just – it was so close. And, like, look, I mean, just society in general, like, cases are spiking just to, like – the beginning of the pandemic right now like it's it's it is be bad. as bad now as it's ever been so it's, it's just worse it's just it's not good it, it, it sucks because it, it is a hundred percent on the university to make the decision for these students and they're not they're not going to do it no they want that 
national TV money so yeah. that they can have their football games. <laughs> their fo- them football games. Like, it makes it makes no sense. It puts these kids in danger. Think about when you were in college, a freshman I was, in college. I was drunk most of that time. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to listen to COVID protocol. No. Come on. Hell Never. No. Never. No. Listen, it's it's just crazy. It, it, it it's predictable. It's predictable. Again, look at the sports that have not bubbled. The NHL did it absolutely perfectly. The NBA did it absolutely perfectly. Those two sports did it absolutely perfectly. Look at the sports that have not bubbled. While it's going well now, had all kinds of problems. They had teams that didn't play the amount of games they were supposed to play. They had teams that had to miss weeks worth of games. Look at the NFL, the Titans, who are acting like the biggest bitches on the planet at this point. I hope you tell the people in Nashville that. All these guys that are like, they all told us. They they beat the Bills last night, and they're all like in the camera's faces. Like, they said that we were irresponsible, whatever. Yeah, you were. You were. You were. You constantly broke protocol. Winning a game doesn't mean you're not irresponsible. (laughs) Right. Uh so you've got NFL teams that are having to sit out weeks. You've got Cam Newton getting COVID. You've got all these. And again, ho- hopefully they're all going to be okay for the long shot, but in the immediate, it's causing problems. You've got the two leagues, pro leagues that didn't bubble and MLS bubbled and they were great. The two pro leagues that didn't bubble have had problems. And you really thought, you really thought college kids were going to be like, now, nah, but we're, more responsible i am a college kid (laughs) and my education tells me that i need to be responsible like did you not go to college (laughs) i read i i read a buzzfeed article that said like i i might be all right (laughs) 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 i I took i took a test and i don't have buzzfeed said i didn't have covid so uh uh we're probably good wait is that the the, is that the text message thread that the guy said, yeah, I'm positive. Yeah, it's a positive result, so I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That's you how know, dumb these know. kids are. <laughs> the TikToks yeah. is making them stupid. Yeah. Well, you know who said that the first time? <laughs> there's, there's a guy in the White House. Oh, that guy. That uh, he was like, yes. my test was positively negative. It was positive negative. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> that dude is on so many steroids that keep him coherent that he is just like, <laughs> he doesn't know which way is up right now. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. We are not. I need way more beers to get into that on the Garage Beers podcast. So let's just get into something a little bit more fun before we get out of here because it's been it's been a little bit of a serious podcast. Uh, Harry, one thing that we have talked about as we are here in mid-October in Halloween season, we've talked a little bit about like scary movies that affected us as kids. Like scary movies that actually like made us poop our pants a little bit. So do you remember looking back at scary movies like when you were little? Was there one that made you kind of poop your pants as a kid? And we want to hear about it. There's one, there's a few, but one, <laughs> I don't Listen, like, I have I don't like scary, movies, scary movies, man. <laughs> I eat a lot of hot wings. I can't help it. So. <laughs> <laughs> the one movie and, you know, 
your aunt and uncle will attest to this. My mom and dad will say that I always loved and hated Jurassic Park at the same time. I was a little guy. Whenever Jurassic Park came out, right, I think I was like four or maybe five. But I loved it because dinosaurs. And of course, I'm going to love it. But it's a it's a scary movie like that is a movie that is a thriller horror movie done with dinosaurs. And I would, I would hide under the coffee table with like a blanket fort and watch it and be like fucking terrified. (laughs) And my mom's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, just park. And I'd be like, ah, like the whole movie, like freaking out. And yeah. So Jurassic park for me definitely stands out. I watch it now and it gives me, gives me the creeps. But it's a great movie. <laughs> oh That's my incredible. god, Jurassic Park. That's not necessarily one, it, not necessarily in like the scary movie category, but like I totally get it cuz like when you're like a kid and you're seeing those dinosaurs and you're like, "Oh my god, like shit, could that happen?" Like, do I have to worry <laughs> about that? That's a lot of teeth, man. Oh my god. That's a lot of teeth. <laughs> Why no, is the that, raptor in the kitchen? That opening scene is terrifying. A dude gets eaten alive by velociraptors, and the dude in the background is just like, shoot, ah, shoot. And I'm like, freak. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> Guy's on the toilet, and he gets eaten by the T Rex, and you're like, uh, I've pooped on the toilet before. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, man. That one sticks out. I don't know. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I, technically I, not a horror movie, but it scared the shit out of me. I've had some time to reflect on just my well. I've I've known my stance on Halloween. I uh, I'm you know maybe the few and the proud, but I am just not a Halloween fan um, at all. Um, I actually this week we made plans to set up our Christmas decorations on no. Halloween. I, uh, on Halloween while we're passing out like we'll pass out candy to trick or treaters, but. Uh, uh, we're gonna be setting up our Christmas decorations. Jesus, that's early. Jesus, uh, where do you even find a tree this early? <laughs> they put Artificial. up an oak. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you can come chop one down and rally. It's a city of oaks. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, y'all. Well, listen, Browns, Steelers this week. That's the thing to get most excited about. I can't talk about COVID anymore. And again, the Indians do nothing but stress me out at this point. But Browns, Steelers, the Garage Beers podcast has three votes for the Browns, uh, zero votes for the Steelers because they suck. Uh, And and for real, we can be talking on this podcast next week with a 5-1 and Browns team that just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers to really solidify this season. And so – I don't want to make it out to be the biggest thing in the world. Again, as I said before, if the Browns do not win this game, it's not the end of the season. Uh, Again, the Steelers are a good team. But if this is that game, if the Browns win and beat the Steelers this week and move to five and one, that solidifies this team as not just a potential playoff team, it solidifies this team as an actual contender, not just in the AFC, but in the NFL. And so if the Browns can do that's where you are, Cleveland. That's where we are. We are on the doorstep after 20 years of the biggest bullshit you ever watched in your whole life. 
we are on the doorstep of actually being an NFL contender and and all it's going to take all it is going to take is what 48 minutes of the best football the Browns have played this season against the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. And by the time four o'clock rolls around on Sunday, boys, we could all be celebrating not just a five and one football team, but a season that is set up to be the best season. Maybe not, not even of the two thousands and the 2010s, but of the nineties, and one of the best, it, it could be the best season that most anybody ever remembers. And that's what's on the doorstep right here. So Browns, Steelers, one o'clock Sunday in Schittsburgh. It's going to be a good time. We got them all winning. We got the Browns winning. Uh, hopefully you do too. Share your predictions with us on our social media at the Garage Beers on Instagram and Twitter and at the Garage Beers podcast on Facebook. Um and let us know what you think is going to happen, but uh, that's going to do it for us. You guys got anything to wrap up? Oh, Joe's. Got you know what? It, you know what it reminds me of uh, the Browns being four and one and on the brink of. You know what? Even if we're four and two, like <laughs> we're four and two, uh, right. but on the brink of potentially being five and one, it reminds me of the the Paul Rudd meme when uh, he's on Hot Ones, and he's like, he's like, look at us. Who would have thought we'd been here? Like, <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Look Not at me. us. <laughs> Not me. I, uh, my $75 bet on the Browns going to the Super Bowl before the season is looking pretty nice right now. Ooh. Pretty, pretty that, good. That yeah. might make up for the uh, past 20 bets. Past, uh, you know, $20, bets every year. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You might break <laughs> even. I hope so. Joe, you brought up a good point before we go. If the Browns lose, which I don't want to talk about it, but if the Browns lose, they're four and two. But you know the the storylines here. Oh God, oh no, oh geez, they're not for like everybody. Relax. Imagine at the beginning of the season being like, you're going to start the year four and two. How would you feel? Incredible, Pretty great, pretty great. So again, it should be awesome. I love Steelers Week. Uh, I hate the Steelers. The Browns. I hope Pittsburgh falls into the rivers uh, over the course of the week and the Browns come out with the win. But, uh, uh, boys, it was awesome. Uh, let's first say thank you to Harry Hoppy. Harry joining us, uh, filling in for our boy Chad tonight on the podcast. It was fun just talking Browns, Indians, uh, COVID, <laughs> which sucks, scary movies, which you apparently have a very different definition of than I do. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having dude, me, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, I don't know. Where do you want people to follow you, Harry? Uh, yeah, it's better if you don't. <laughs> so just follow the Dodgers podcast. <laughs> a, a man of the yes. people. A man of the people. Yes. Let's just let's leave it at that. Yes. Yeah, I'm not really on the interweb, so yeah, just follow the Garage Beers podcast. Hey, listen, do not follow Harry Hoppy. He's just going <laughs> to join us every once in a while. Uh, for Joey Whalen at Garage Beers Joe on Twitter. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike on Twitter and Instagram. Again, as Harry said, go follow us at the Garage Beers Twitter, Instagram, and then find us on Facebook. Uh, it's been a blast. And until next week, cheers, everybody.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.